the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. It is recorded in the book of John that Jesus once said, If he is lifted up, he will draw all people unto himself. Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension are all linked to this glorious exaltation, and it is a call made to the entire world. No class, social status, race, or gender is excluded from this declaration. That is why we lift up the name of Jesus on this program every day. Our teaching pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with today's message. Today, we're going to look at Joel chapter 3, verse 16. That's our text. But you're not going to understand anything about Joel 3.16 unless you understand what goes on in Joel chapter 1 and understand what goes on in Joel chapter 2. And we're going to get around jumping back and forth. We'll be looking at Joel chapter 3. I have about four different things I want to cover. Number one in your notes, write this down. Joel talks about Jerusalem. Uh, Zion and Jerusalem, just so you know, they're the same city. He said the Lord will roar from Zion and thunder from Jerusalem. This roar and this thunder come from the same place. I want you to write this down. Jerusalem, you should know this is the capital city of Israel. Jerusalem is a holy site for three different faiths. There are 50 Christian churches in Jerusalem. There are 33 Muslim mosques in Jerusalem. And there are over 300 Jewish synagogues. Going back to Jerusalem, there have been over 100 battles that have been fought in Jerusalem. But I want you to write this number down. Jerusalem has been conquered 40 times by different people, different nations, completely conquered. It originally was called the city of David. I want you to write two dates down. The first is 1010 BC. That's the date that David conquered Jerusalem and and named it the city of David. That's 1010 BC. Joel, we believe, was written around 835 B.C. So a little more than 800 years, 835 years before the time of Christ, Joel was written. And primarily uh, when he was writing, was speaking to the uh, people living there in the southern kingdom, which was Judah. But I want you to write this down somewhere in your notes, that Jerusalem, this temple that you're looking at, during the time of Christ, was completely destroyed in the year 70 A.D. The Romans came in and completely destroyed this temple. And it's what we call the Western Wall. Some people refer it to the Wailing Wall, but it's the Western Wall. 
where people go from all over the world and go to that wall and pray. Now, I want you to write this down in your notes. Jerusalem is central to our faith. It's central to our faith. So Jerusalem is central to the book of Joel. It's central to our faith. It's central to our world. It is central to our future as believers. Number two, write this down. We come to what's called the judgment of the nations. If you read Joel, Joel chapter 1, Joel chapter 2, and Joel chapter 3, there is an overall theme as you read that there is coming a day of judgment where God will judge any and all nations who have rebelled against God and who have rebelled against God's people. And everything you see in Joel chapter 1 is a picture of what's going on in our world today. Our nation, the United States of America, is experiencing plagues of many kind. Oh, we're not experiencing a plague of locusts, but there's a plague of hatred. There's a plague of disrespecting authority in this country. There is a plague of racism in this country. There is a plague of pornography in this country. There is a plague of immorality in this country. There is a plague of injustice in this country. All of which leads to the joy of mankind withering away. It happened in Joel's day, and it's happening in our day here today. Amen? Now, now I'm gonna, we're, we're going to go back to Joel. We went to Joel 1. We're going to look at Joel 2 in a minute, but I want to read Joel 3 and then, and then jump back to Joel 2. Joel 3 reads, Let the nations be roused and let them advance into the valley of Jehoshaphat. Everybody say Jehoshaphat. Joel 3.12 tells us, now don't forget the locusts, the plagues were in in Joel chapter 1. In Joel 3, he says, there's coming a day where I, God, are going to gather the nations in the valley of Jehoshaphat, and there I, God, will sit to judge all the nations on every side. One day, God will judge the nations of this world. Verse 13 says, swing the sickle, the harvest is ripe. Like it's time now. Come trample the grapes for the wine press is full and the vats are overflowing. So great is their wickedness. And then we come to our text, verse 16, that says, The Lord will roar like a lion from Zion and thunder from Jerusalem and the earth and the sky will tremble. There's so many things I could tell you that, about all this, but here's what you need to know that any nation that does not honor God, God will eventually bring judgment to that nation. The burden is upon us because we as believers have compromised our faith. We as as Christians are living unholy lives. We have watered down the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're the ones who've neglected God's word We're the ones that have chosen to dishonor God in so many ways. And write this down quickly. This is kind of a side note. 
Part of our problem today is that we don't have any modern-day prophets. You see anybody preaching like Joel, Jeremiah, Daniel, Hosea, Malachi, Zechariah, telling us that we need to turn our hearts over to God? You can't even find a church in the United States of America talking about sin, judgment, or hell today in America. You know why? Because we don't want to offend anybody. Joel is speaking to people in his day and age, and he's explaining to the people there is coming a day where God is going to... Now, he doesn't, he doesn't know when, but he's looking to the future. And again, it's 800 years before Christ ever arrives, but he's telling the people of Israel... There is coming a day, oh, hey, 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 it's going to be in Jerusalem, just so you know, it's going to be in Jerusalem, but there is coming a day where the Lord is going to come and judge all the nations. However, he's going to bring refuge to those of us who are in his family. And you know what that's called? That's called grace. You can see grace in the Old Testament. In the midst of all this judgment, God is still going to provide refuge for His people. Two things. One, we have to repent. We need to repent. And I want you to go, we're going to come back to chapter 3 because I want to explain it at the very end and you'll understand all the, you'll understand it better if you understand chapter 1, the locusts, the plagues, people are depressed, the farmers are crying, everybody's wailing, there's no wine, there's no food, there's no grain, there's no nothing. And he's saying, hey, there's going to come a day where God's going to come and judge all the nations. That day's coming. In the meantime, write this down, repent. Joel 2.13 says, this is Joel chapter 2, we need to rend our hearts. We need to return to the Lord because God is a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, And he will relent from sending calamity. God is willing. God is willing and waiting on any of us who will simply turn to him. Yes, he will bring judgment to the nations. That day has been set in the heavenlies. But what we need to do is to turn towards God. Because God's character is compassionate, abounding in love towards anyone who simply turned towards him. That's called repentance. It has nothing to do with the clothes that you wear. It has to do with your heart and rendering your heart to him. Okay? Now, in this room, in this room, look, there's a lot of people here. There are a lot of people here today who, who are saved. You, are, you already believe in Jesus. And if you believe in Jesus, I mean, you're covered. God's got you in the palm of his hand. But if you're here today and you've never turned to Jesus, you're running away from Jesus, you don't, you don't, you've never decided that you're going to follow him and live for him and put your faith in him, while you're as lost as lost can be, and you are in danger of that judgment. However, write this down. This is the second part of this. God will save anyone who simply calls on his name. Oh, oh. I, I got to show you something. And this, this, this is where you got to put your thinking cap on. And I wish I had more time, but 
If you go back to Joel chapter 2, he says these words. Now, this is 835 years before Jesus arrives. How many of you are with me on this? Joel chapter what? 2. We read these words. The plague and the locusts in chapter 1. The judgment of God is coming. He says, at that time, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is in the Old Testament, pointing to a day in the future. Don't know when. Guess what happens? 800 years go by. 800 years later, Jesus arrives on the scene. He dies on a cross. They take him off the cross and they bury him. He's in the grave for three days. And then he comes out of the grave. And he's on the earth for for 40 days. And at the end of the 40 days, Jesus goes back up into heaven. It's called the ascension. And remember when he was here, he said, when I leave, I will send another, the Holy Spirit. And so when Jesus ascends up into heaven, the disciples are in this little room. It's it's called the upper room. And uh, they're praying, and they don't really know what's going on. And all of a sudden, from above, the Holy Spirit of God falls. And these 12 disciples, God gives them this ability to speak the supernatural tongue where they're able to communicate with people from all different languages and all different tribes. And the Bible says it was on the day of Pentecost where every Jew under the sun had gathered in Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost. And as the disciples began to preach, God began to move. And the people of the crowd that day, they were looking around and uh, they were going, hey, what is, what's, what's going on here? Can someone explain all this? Well, what is, what is this Holy Spirit? And what is, what is the power that I see and that I feel and that I recognize? And Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost. You go from Joel chapter 2, 800 years. Now you're in Acts chapter 2. And Peter says... no this was what was spoken by the prophet joel and he almost quotes verbatim in the last days god says i will pour out my spirit on all people your sons and your daughters will prophesy your young men will see visions your old men will dream dreams even on my service both men and women i will pour out my spirit in these days and they will prophesy And I will show wonders in the heavens above and the signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke, and the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter says what you're seeing right now with the death and the burial and the resurrection and Jesus ascending and sending his Holy Spirit down 
and covering all his people is simply a fulfillment of what Joel said was happening to, uh, 800 years earlier. I ask you, do you see how this is all connected here today? That anyone here today who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Anybody. This, I, I got to get on the fourth point just for time. Write this down. Joel's exhortation. Joel's exhortation. Let's go back to Joel chapter 3 now. We're going to read it. I think you'll understand it a little bit better. Let the nations be roused and let them advance into the valley of what? The valley of what? For there I will sit to judge all the nations on every side. Swing the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Come trample the grapes for the winepress is full and the vats overflow so great is their wickedness. Go back up to verse 12 just for a second. In your notes, there's a a Bible reference in Zechariah. I just left it there for you. But we really do not know what the valley, where the valley of Jehoshaphat is. Nobody knows where it is. I mean, do you know where it is? I don't know. Nobody knows where it is. You know, scholars have studied this passage for centuries, and they have no idea where the valley of Jehoshaphat is. But there is a valley somewhere where one day, if you believe God's word, There is a valley somewhere called the Valley of Jehoshaphat where God is going to gather the nations and he will judge the nations who have not followed God. But he'll be a refuge for those of us who have trusted in him. Right? Okay. So, you remember remember Jerusalem is on a hill. There's a little valley called the Kidron Valley. And on this side is... Mount of Olives, where all those Jewish people are buried. You know why all the Jewish people are buried there? It's because the Bible says that when the Messiah appears, that he will appear onto the Mount of Olives. Now, Jewish people, most Jewish people, are still waiting for the Messiah to appear the first time. They don't think that Jesus is the Messiah, so they're waiting for the Messiah to appear. And so that's why they want to be buried on the Mount of Olives, so that when the Messiah appears, that, that, that he'll make everything right at that point. Now, we as Christians and many Jews who are here today, we believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that he, he's already been here once. We're waiting for him to come back the second time, right? Well... Zechariah, the very last chapter, you should read it sometime, says that when the Lord returns, his feet are going to land on the Mount of Olives. And it says that when his feet hit the Mount of Olives, that there's going to be an earthquake. And the Mount of Olives, it's very detailed in Zechariah. It says that the mountain will split into two. And the, and the, the earthquake will happen and the plates 
will shift and one section will move north and one will move south. And it says it will create a great valley that will go off and a river that will go all the way to the Dead Sea. And there are some scholars who believe that that valley that is not here right now, but at that time when Jesus Christ returns and his feet hit on the Mount of Olives, that earthquake happens and the Mount of Olives splits in two and it shifts and creates a new valley, there are some scholars who believe that is going to be the valley of Jehoshaphat where God will judge the nations of the world. And Zechariah says these words, Zechariah, the last chapter, chapter 14, verse 9 says that when that happens on that day, that the Lord will be king over the whole earth. On that day, there will be but one Lord and his name, the only name. Verse 14 says, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision for the day of the Lord is near. In the valley of what? Decision. Verse 15 says, The sun and the moon will be darkened and the stars no longer shine. We keep reading that phrase. What does that phrase mean? Just write this down quickly. It, mean, it, it, it just means that this event has universal implications is what it means. We see it in Joel. We see it in Joel 2. We see it here in Joel 3. We see it in Acts chapter. It's the same phrase. It just means that this event that takes place has universal implications. And will you not agree with me that when Jesus died on a cross and was buried and resurrected and ascended and sent down the Holy Spirit, would you not agree that that had universal implications? Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? When the Lord Jesus Christ returns again, that's going to be universal implications as well. Amen. And then verse 16. The Lord will roar... Like a lion from Zion. You should, you, that rhymes. And thunder from Jerusalem, the earth and the sky will tremble. That is the judgment of God in the valley of Jehoshaphat of all the nations who have rejected him. But the Lord will be a refuge for his people, a stronghold for the people of Israel. Write this down. Even though the day of the Lord is near, you have nothing to fear. That's called grace. Amen. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. 
That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. Wouldn't it be great if there were accessible answers to our spiritual problems? Just like there's a smartphone app for calculating a tip or getting directions to a local store. Most of us have heard the phrase, there's an app for that, popularized by the creators of the iPhone. Well, God has an app for the common problems faced by Christians everywhere. Are you stressed out? God has an app for that. Problem with crude language or gossip? Struggling with prejudice? Brokenhearted? Anxious? Or depressed? God has an app for that too. Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, is available now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. This helpful resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also get God Has an App for That on our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. Come and explore the book of James and discover God's user-friendly solutions for some of the biggest challenges we all face daily. Get your copy of Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Pastor Dudley